On this episode of the Missouri Catfish Podcast, we talked to Philip Brown of Big Easy Quest and Big Easy Clips, and he is going to talk about his fishing from last year, products, new products, and looking ahead towards a great 2023. I'm your host, Cliff Thornburg. Shove off with us, and let's get started. Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. It is March 21st and spring is coming with a fit and a start, but it is going. Spoonbill season's underway. Lots of paddlefish being snagged. Schneiderhans really knocking them out, I see. And a lot of people, just a lot of people are, are getting on some fish. It's been cold and windy. There's been a few nice days. The sun will come out, but pretty typical. I'm ready, ready for some nice weather, but it's great to see some spoonbill getting caught. Eric Keller was on a nice fish last week. I, I saw, so good to see some people out there. The River Radius podcast had um, a great podcast on lightning. And when you're out there on the river, best practice is to not go out when there's lightning, obviously. But they had a podcast on, well, what if you get caught out in it? What do you do? So that was great. I also received some stickers from the River Radius podcast. So so cool to see those guys. That's mainly about kayaking, canoeing. It's not a fishing podcast, but anything on the river, on water, there, there can be some good episodes, and, and that's certainly one of them. Fish of the Week, a podcast I highly recommend, had their last episode on drum, perch, gasper goo, sheep's head, whatever you call them, that's an interesting one. And a lot of it was focused on eating them, which I I really find um, refreshing from a, a government standpoint. They have this program where not only are you talking about fish, but appreciating them in all ways. As far as the Missouri River, a little closer to home, March 18th, I think they started releasing a little more water from Gavin's Point for Missouri River navigation. Runoff continues to be below average. April 1st is when navigation opens at the mouth of the Missouri River, so they're really starting to turn more water on. I think on the 22nd, they're going to turn more water on. It's it's just gradually increasing, and hopefully with that and with some precipitation around, we're going to get some good flows in the river. I think it's it's starting. So, terrific there. Also saw that Willie Spillman's been catching some bass. He's been getting after it a little. So, great to hear from Willie and great to hear from everybody. Keep sending those pictures of fish and, and news and, and what's going on. I'll um, share it if you want me to. If not, I, I just love seeing the fish pictures and all the listeners really really hammering them here. On that note, our email address is missouricatfishpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's missouricatfishpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook, Missouri Catfish Podcast, and Night Owl Bait Company. That's all one one uh, word there, or one one name. Also on Instagram at this time, and also on Twitter. And just... Um, not very good at Twitter, but um, not very good at any of it, I guess I would say, but but really kind of struggling with all that. But getting on there and just look for us and uh, follow us and, and give us a shout out if you want. Music by Cowboy Bart. Couldn't do it without Bart. And our guest is Philip Brown. Philip is 
from Iowa. He is the Big Easy Quest YouTube personality. So he has lots of followers on there. He fishes all around the country. And he sells, markets the Big Easy Clips. He puts those together, designs them, everything. And it is a culling system for fish. So I'm really excited to have him on the podcast here. And we'll put all his information or some of the information uh, down below in the podcast. So after after his interview, check that out. But I'm, I'm so excited and, and thankful that he took his time to, to talk to us. And uh, what a cool guy. Fishing, fishing, he can fish anywhere and he's fishing it sounds like more in our home state so sounds great we are on here with philip brown and i guess i'll I'll let you introduce yourself where you're from and and kind of some of your background in in fishing all right my name is philip brown i'm from uh des moines iowa well originally from des moines iowa live south des moines now kind of a little acreage but uh started off uh, just catfishing with the family growing up and and uh, ended up getting a boat and found out there was a few catfish tournaments and started that back in, I think my first tournament was in 2003 and uh, just been going ever since and then started, I think I ended up getting a couple of GoPros just to try them out and <clears throat> that's when uh, Big Easy Quest started and started making videos informative well I first started just doing fun videos for myself and then uh when I started of course <clears throat> back then there was no social media so when I started it was you showed up to a tournament and there was a bunch of 60 year old men that didn't like sharing anything <laughs> so it was basically uh you had to learn on your own and and uh I started doing GoPro videos and thought you know it was tough for me, you know, it, it took a good year and a half to even place in a tournament. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to help people, you know, help people out and see what I can do to help, you know, put more fish in the boat. And I mean, even, even to this day, I still watch my own videos to, pop, you know, sometimes reset myself. So, but, and, uh, and those first videos you had, are, are they still out there for people? Yes, they are. Yep. You just got to scroll all the way. I think I've been doing the Big Easy Quest for probably, God, I want to say seven, eight years. And for people that aren't really tech savvy, how, how would they get that if they're just listening to this? Uh, just go up to YouTube and type in Big Easy Quest uh, Angley, and it'll show up. It's, uh, I think it was actually the photo or the main photo is, is the back of I actually set a GoPro behind my boat and then took the still of it and then had a graphic designer, you know, black out the people in the boat and everything. So you'll see basically, yeah, it's basically main targeted for cat fishing, but I've been doing a lot of crappie fishing and white bass and hybrid fishing lately in the last couple of years. So. Okay. And as far as your cat fishing, are you on the Mississippi or tributaries, the raccoon river or what, what are we I am fishing from Canada to Alabama. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, every year, so at, at the first of the year, I buy a total of six licenses every year, no matter what, because those are the, are the states that I plan to go to go fish. Uh, one of them is Canada because we go up the Red River. Last couple of years, we haven't, we couldn't go up there because they had regulations with uh you know, crossing the border, and I just didn't want to have to deal with all that stuff. So we kind of hold held off on that until this year. They've allowed people to come back across the border without having any kind of regulation. So we're going to head up there and catch some monster channels. So, but yeah, for anywhere from, I think it's Canada, North Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, um, a little bit in like Illinois, depending on if there's a tournament, happens to be a tournament over there that I, I want to hit up. And then of course, you know, Alabama and a little bit of Tennessee. If I get up into like, uh, 
Oh, Watts Bar and stuff like that. So. Okay, yeah, and, and with the river there, there's several of those states you kind of can fish at once there. Yes, yes, sir. And it's and I, it seems like no matter where you go in the Tennessee River, the whole river's just it, it's spectacular. <laughs> you just you can't describe it. <laughs> it's so good. But I've I've recently uh, I've started targeting more of the Missouri River. Like I I ended up doing the last the end of the last. End of the summer last year, and uh, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to bypass everything else. I'm going to strictly do the Missouri River and just see how I do. And uh, it was it was pretty it was a pretty eventful eventful fall. I, I went uh, probably four days, and I'm, I've caught, and just in those four days, I fished two different spots around the Waverly, Missouri area. And then I went over to Nebraska and fished over there. In those four days, we caught, I think it's six fish over 50 pounds. So what was the learning curve like on the Missouri versus some of these other rivers you've been on? Uh, the main, I would say the main deal is current. Um, you get on the Missouri River and it's, if you're not in behind the wing dikes or on that channel swing, just above the channel swing, or that current's just a little bit slower, you're talking, depending on the outside bend, if it's a sharp bend, you're talking anywhere from five to seven to eight mile an hour current. <laughs> you know, and, and I'd say average around probably, probably I'd say about three to four, but you go on the Tennessee River, and I think the fastest I've ever seen on there is probably one, maybe one and a half. And those those guys down there think that's fast. And I'm like, oh man, you need you guys need to come to Missouri River. <laughs> but yeah, uh, especially when there's a lot of trash on it. When it's yeah, and it's there's yeah, it, it's giant, giant trees coming down it and big fields of like there. There was one time I was on. I think I was on it with my cousin. And it, we had just got a bunch of rain, and, and the trash hadn't came down the river yet. But it had already, it had already rose, and we are in a tournament. And I, look, I happened to look at the front of the boat, and I'm like, oh, my. I said, look at this, what's coming. And you couldn't – like, it, it was almost for a straight mile of nothing but logs and trees just coming down. So we threw on the buoy ball, hurry up and got around the dike, and we had to wait. It was probably a good hour. And I was like, well, hopefully my boo ball didn't get uh, stuck in one of the logs and, you know, take it down. And sure enough, we got back around outside there and, and it was still, it was still floating, but I, I just couldn't believe the mass amount of trees that came down at the first start of, you know, the rise of the, of the main rise of the river. Yeah. And, uh, it was just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And your buoy ball, you meaning it was on your anchor? You you got yeah, off yeah. your anchor? Yep, got off my anchor and threw the buoy ball on. And I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sink my boat, so I'll right. I'll lose I'll lose an anchor over over sinking my boat. So <laughs> right, but. right. And how how I got uh, I guess found your name. Um, you were a, a sponsor, or at least affiliated with the I think it was a Montana Catfish Association. Yep. Um, yep. And, and you make some, some cool products. I, I guess uh, you just tell the listeners about that if you want. Uh, sure. It's called uh, Easy Clips Culling System. Um, I've got two different sets. I've got a set of five, and those are mainly for your bass, uh, walleye, and catfish anglers. Because usually it's, just, you know, you bring in five fish. A lot of tournaments have been bringing in three, which will still work for that. Um, and then I've got a set for of uh, ten clips for your crappie anglers, and uh, basically started. I think it was the beginning of the last year. Um, I had I had went through several clips myself, and either the catfish were busting them because they were just plastic, and uh, you you being a catfish catfishman, you know you you put your hand in one of their mouths. And they chomp down, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of pressure there. And they were snapping them plastic ones like crazy. And then I got tired of poking holes in their mouth. And uh, 
my my apps i i would say my 100 percent absolute best with catfishing is the release part and uh what what brought this up uh, i went fishing with a buddy down in tennessee and uh he had these clips but he was clipping them to their mouths and they just had a colored string and i thought you know i said I said, I, I could probably work with that. I said, uh, you wouldn't mind if I, I did something with it and, and possibly make a product out of it. He goes, no, I don't care. So I went home and started buying products and putting stuff together and seeing how it works. And after all year of trying, you know, some of the, I figured out some of the, of the lines were too long. So the catfish were getting tangled in the live well. So then I had to make them shorter and then, of course, the clips were not keeping on their mouth. So I'm like, one day I was, I was on my home lake in Red Rock. It's just Channel Cat Lake. And uh, I thought, you know what? I, I bet you could take that clip and put it on the back of their fin. I'm like, I wonder how that would hold on there. So I, you know, we got, a, we our, our my lake up here is full of five to eight pounders and they're, probably the hardest fish to catch in a big live well because <laughs> they're right. I mean, you stick your hand in there and they're zinging across the live well. So I started, I just got my, a limit of five. I think they're anywhere from four to six pounds. <clears throat> and I just attached it to the back of their fin. And, and, uh, after about a couple hours of fishing, I thought, all right, I'm going to go ahead and release these guys and open up the live well. And I just grabbed the ball and lift them straight out of the live well. And I'm like, well, that worked out pretty good. <laughs> so I was kind of surprised with myself. And and uh, then I went to Calamus Reservoir in Nebraska and uh, gave a couple to some good friends. <laughs> yeah, and I, I gave some uh, some of the easy clips to some of my buddies and that I knew that would use it and give me good feedback. So And uh, they said they loved it. Ended up working out pretty good, and then that's when I started uh, originally selling them there towards the late fall, and then uh, updated the product a little bit more to add some uh, replacement clips in there because I had some guys were stepping on the clips. I mean, the clips are just stainless steel clips, and I mean, if a 200-pound guy steps on them, they're going to break. <laughs> so... <laughs> And then we had some, some of the clips were just being defaulty. So I ended up adding uh, replacement clips inside the bags and then easy, easy clips to unclip them and clip them back on. That way, you know, if you're, I, I, I want to stand behind my product. So I do a hundred percent guarantee. If your clips bust, there's extra clips in the clips. And then if those clips happen to break, just get a hold of me. I'll send you new clips. That way you have a product for life and not just something that lasts a year or two, you know? So, so yeah, that's the easy, that's how the easy clip started. <laughs> yeah. And, um, where, where are they sold now? If people w want to get them right now, uh, I just have the Facebook page, easy clips, coin system on Facebook. Um, I do have some with, uh, are you familiar with tackle bandit? Yeah, and that's what I was going to bring up. I, I thought oh. I'd seen those on there, but I didn't want to bring it up if it was some competitor or something. But no, no, I, uh, I, we had set up uh, a distributing deal with them, so they they sell them as well. And uh, and I'm actually there's uh, I think another place in Montana that got a hold of me that's starting a traveling tackle company. And I think they're going to pick up some as well. So that'd be another place that people can order, order from as well. I haven't set up a website yet. And I'm still depending on whether I should set up a website for just that or set up a website for Big Easy Quest and then just incorporate that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do some uh, catfish rigs as well. And I'm calling them easy rigs everything's going to be around the easy, <laughs> like big, big, easy quests, easy clips, easy rigs, you know, so, so it just kind of all fits. So I'm like, well, yeah, I could just set up a, a website for big, easy quests and just incorporate 
the products and the videos all on the website and just have one, you know, one, one go-to place. So, so yeah. All right. Well, that, that's cool. And um, so the, these clips, like if you catch, like in a, you know, we have mainly blue cats in the tournaments, you know, there'll be occasional flathead and some channels as kicker fish, but yep. y- you would just clip this on their back. Uh, yeah. Right on their back dorsal fin. Okay. And, and I've actually, I've, I've actually clipped the, I think the biggest one I've clipped was like 50 pounds, but more often than not, if you catch a 50 pounder in a tournament, that's, that's going to be the one you're not going to call him. Yeah, <laughs> and if, you're not gonna if, clip yeah, yeah, for sure. If, if you do, you're having a really, really good day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. basically, basically it's mainly for your fish, like say a 34 inch rule. That's like a 18, 19, 20 pounder clips. They clip perfectly on the backside of their fins. Um, and all the way down to, I mean, I've clipped one pounders and those seem to be the hardest ones to find in a, in a live well. So this will actually help guys from using their nets to dip in the live wells or, or, you know, stuff like that. So <laughs> that was me. I did that too, because I, I've, I've gotten stuck a few times trying to find them small ones in the live wells. <laughs> yeah. And you're holding up everything and you're trying to pump yep. all your water out. Yeah. Try to find them. Yep. This way you just, and in the, the clips on the back of a catfish, the biggest one I've lifted up out of the level was seven and a half pounds. So, I mean, if, if, you know, especially those small ones that I would say five and under, you can just lift them right out of the live well. You, that way you don't even have to worry about sticking your hands in there. You can just grab the ball and lift it right out. Uh, the bigger ones, usually what I'll do is I'll lift the ball up and then I'll grab their, the, the end of their tail and then cradle them out, you know, so. Sure. Well, and, and I, Go ahead. No, use your just use your best judgment. Usually, how I go go by it anyway. So yeah, well, uh, the the product interested me because, admittedly, I tried to make some of these, and you're using like a cable, and yep. uh, the ones I made, I had a real mess at the end of it because uh, it was like they were weaving down there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I had I had that with my first set that I made. I made. I made the cables. God, it was like it was like ten inches long. Well, I had a bunch of small, small channels, and man, they I, I couldn't get them undone. So I just had to unclip each one and then spend about five minutes untangling the whole ball of mess. So I just kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> so, but yep. So that so people are paying for you're cutting the learning curve there down you some of that for sure so um about your rigs what can you tell us about about those and and what you're doing there yep uh so the rigs i'm making uh, are anywhere from oh i'd say about 15 15 inches are going to be your small rigs uh, and that's mainly for your river guys uh they come with floats <clears throat> or not floats just whatever you prefer I'm, I use an ADOT circle hook from your small channels to up your big blue. My biggest blue is 84 pounds that I, I caught it with an ADOT circle hook. I haven't had any troubles, you know, you have to use a bigger hook. If guys do want bigger hooks, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to accompany that as well. Um, as far as your floats, I just use a simple three inch slotted peg float. <clears throat> that way you can adjust your float however you want. Um, I've learned in the years that, especially on lakes with no current, a lot of these catfish will raise several feet up off the bottom. And catfish are a predator fish. I, I would say they're probably the number one predator fish in the United States as far as main lakes goes. <clears throat> so... When they go to feed, they feed up. A lot of them don't feed down. So when you have, like my leaders, the, the longest one's going to be six foot. And uh, I've had it to where I've had the float all the way up, butted against the hook. And having about 
oh, about an 18 inch dropper on my sinker. And so it's, it's sitting up above off the bottom about six, seven foot. And, uh, I've caught some pretty good fish, <laughs> especially at like Calamus. Calamus has been a lake where, where that's, uh, that's came in handy quite a bit is using those longer leaders. It sucks with reeling them in and trying to net them with those longer leaders, <laughs> but, uh, it pays off because usually once the circle hits, you know, circle hooks set in the corner of the mouth, it's pretty hard to shake them. <laughs> so. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of these fish will suspend up off the shad or off the bottom, so that that's cool. Um, yep. it, and you know they'll be packaged where you're not, you know, making rigs out there in a tossing boat. I guess. Yep. All you got to do is, is tie them on, or not even tie them on, just clip them on. Depends on if you use clips. So, I use uh, I use <clears throat> so on my main usually on my main line how I run it is. I'll have just a small barrel swivel and that, that barrel swivel will actually run on my main line and that'll be my sinker slider. And then I'll have a bead. And then after that bead will be a snap swivel and it's rated for 175 pounds. So then I have all that. So then when I get on my boat, I, I actually can't remember the last time I actually tied a rig on while on my boat. Cause I've got a bag that, you know, it's a, it's a Bass Pro Extreme rig bag. It's what it's called. It's got two different sides. I got a channel cat side and a blue cat side. So all I got to do is reach in there, grab a bag, pull out the leader, clip it on and go. I, I don't have to worry about, you know, tying, tying on leaders and nothing like that. So but, yeah, just, just one less thing to yeah, go yeah. wrong. Yep. Yep. Well, that's cool. Well, um, you're, you're traveling a lot. What is, um, your, you have any big tournaments circled that, you, that you're going to make for sure? Uh, make for sure. I would say St. Joe is probably my biggest one. And that's the, uh, with the catfish chasers that, uh, Chevrolet Reed classic, I believe is what they call it. And that's out of St. Joe. Um, that, that tournament usually packs, Oh, I think they average around 150 plus boats a year, every year. I think there's one year where they hit 200 boats and, uh, see that many boats on Missouri river. It's, it's, uh, that's a pretty, pretty cool deal. So, <laughs> and then, uh, of course, Calamus Lake, I always go to it cause I just, you can't beat catch 20 pound channels or 20 plus pound channel. <clears throat> I mean, that, the fight those fish put on, is just unreal. Um, of course, the Sea Arc Invitational. I got I got Sea Arc Big Easy. I've had it since 2010, I believe, is when I got it, and uh, got it got it got it when but before uh, Sea Arc boats were cool, so <laughs> they were still pretty pretty cheap back then. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, always look forward to that. That's usually a trip that me and my wife take um, as a, just a family get away and, and, uh, go have fun and you know, try to try to win a boat, you know, another boat. <laughs> yeah. That's I awesome. I haven't been lucky enough, but I've, uh, we had a, one of our roommates, we, we ran a house down there and, uh, last year, I think we had five teams staying with us and, uh, one of our roommates actually won the boat last year. So that was, that was a pretty cool deal. <laughs> yeah. That, that's great. And with, with all your traveling, uh, did you have any mishaps last year? Well, as far as... Just anything, equipment, travel. I just I kind of asked people what, what equipment they tore up last year to, to make the rest of us feel better. I would say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, last year, last year was an expensive year. Um <laughs> I was actually go. I was going across Red Rock, my home lake, <clears throat> and we got some decent crappies. So I, it was. I was on a good crappie bite. We average our crappies are when you get on a good average of, you know, thirteen to fifteen inches. It, it's hard. It's hard to not stay off the lake. <laughs> so <laughs> I took a buddy out and and uh, we got we we're 
about probably 50 yards from the first spot. And uh, I thought it hit something. So I'm like, man, that like it, it felt like something hit. So I raised up the motor. I'm like, well, everything looks fine. There's no oil. And I go to put it in gear and we're not moving. I'm like, oh no, this ain't good. And I put it in reverse and we're not moving. Well then uh so this this is something I, I would advise people to always check and uh which I, I never would have found out. Usually in the in the fall I'll drain my lower unit oil, whether it needed it or not, replace the seals and just the plugs. Fill it back up. <clears throat> well, the seal between my upper unit and lower unit had, I think, rotted away, just got old enough. And the only way that you could tell, well, this is how the, the boat place explained it to me. The only way, I said, I said, I don't get it. I, he, he goes, there was no oil in the lower unit at all. I said, I don't get it. I said, in, in you know, November, I changed lower unit grease. Everything was fine. And he's, uh, there was no lower unit grease in the garage. I said, no. And he goes, well, he goes, how, how I can explain it to you is the only way that you were losing lower unit grease is when there was pressure against the, against it. So whenever you ran, he goes, you wouldn't see the lower unit grease. So there was pressure. So it was pushing the oil out as it was sucking water in. And I said, really? He goes, yep. He goes, so the, the only way, there's really no way you could have told, you know, if, unless it would have came to the point where you were going to change the lower unit grease, that's when you could, you could find out. And he goes, unfortunately you, for you that the only time you, you were under power is when this thing is actually leaking. I said, yeah, that's crazy. Cause I never even noticed any oil leaks. Well, we ended up uh, blowing the lower unit out. Of course, then it heated everything up and bended everything. So I had to order a whole new lower unit. So, what the bad thing is, is there was only two lower units in the United States because that's when, you know, we're kind of winding down from COVID, but everything was hard to, to get. So there was only two lower units in the United States that would fit my motor, which is the Mercury. And, uh, and the, part, the companies that had them knew it, and they took full advantage of it. <laughs> so... Yeah, so so basically, what you heard hitting, it, it just ran dry and locked up. Yeah, it ran dry, locked up, and, and just said, "Nope, you're not you're not going crappie fishing today." <laughs> that is a terrible story. Huh? Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's, I, frus- it's frustrating. It's not something you can even hardly learn from. No, no, and well, and that's I. I told him. I said, "Well, can can this be justified as a?" like one of uh, like an accident deal and he goes unfortunately he goes i looked into that and he goes since it, it was a part that just got old he goes you've got an old motor that's you've got almost 2500 hours on it he goes it's it's an old it's an old motor and i said yeah i know and he goes first and for some reason you don't like idling <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he goes you're either you're either going like five to 10 mile an hour, you're going 53. Here's your chart. I said, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he goes, so he goes, you got to look this way. He goes, you know, it's been, it's pretty been a good motor for you. You know, it's lasted this long. So I said, yeah, that's true. So I can't complain there. So, but, uh, yeah, and then other, other than having tires stolen and spare tires and, uh, that, that's one thing I can tell guys is, just by taking a simple bike chain and wrap it around your spare tire to your trailer will save you a lot of money and uh, save you from being mad at your ramp. Because if you just have a spare tire on your, on your trailer with just lugs and no, I even had a lock lug on there and they had, they had a spare one of those. And uh, I mean, it, I don't know how long it took them, but I'm pretty sure it didn't take them very long because now they have the battery powder and impacts that to where all they got to do is park right next to your trailer and boom, they got a spare tire. So I would say anything to keep them from stealing it as fast as they can would be the better to add a bike chain to your trailer tire. <laughs>
Yeah, it, yeah, it just aggravates you as humanity for sure yeah. when stuff like yeah. that happens. Yes, it does. Well, let, let's end on, on a better note than all that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, so, your what was your biggest fish last year? Or I, I guess I, I don't even want to say your biggest fish. What was your most um, satisfying catch last year? Oh, most satisfying catch. Oh, there was probably a couple. I, I'm, there was two of them. I, there was one on Wheeler Lake. Um, I ended up, I, I ended up getting like, like four or five days off from work. So I, I wasn't going to just sit around home and we didn't have no sports for the kids that were going to. So I made a, just uh, off the wind trip to Alabama and, uh, happened to be, I think it was like early, it was early October, either late September, early October. It was right when the fishing started getting a little bit better down there and cooler down from the, all the hot weather and weather. And, uh, it, it, it was my fault on how I did it, but it was crazy how it worked out. I was sitting there drifting and, uh, I let out four rods and down there in Alabama, it's unlimited. So you could have as many rods you want, but. I forgot to trip the bale on one of my rods. So it let out like six, 700 feet of line. And I was sitting there drifting and I'm, I'm a big sideways drifter. So I drift with the wind and I noticed the front rod was acting funny. So I went up to it. And I'm like, what's going on? So I looked down at the reel and, and I'm all the way down to the, to the backing. And I'm like, Oh, that's not good. And I start reeling it in. I'm like, this is crazy. There's a fish on here. So I immediately, I started reeling like real slow just to get, you know, enough backing on there so I can really, really crank down on him. And I still, at this time, didn't know how big it was <clears throat> and uh, got enough backing on there and enough braid. And I, I reeled down on him. Finally get, ended up getting him into the boat and uh, it was 63 pounds. And uh, that was, that was pretty memorable. And the other one was, uh, on the Missouri river and, and I think it was late October. And, uh, we had a scheduled shutdown. So I again, took a, about a three or four day trip and was down just off Waverly and, uh, still finding the fish in the main channels, the outside bends and, uh, happened to be with buddy from up over Des Moines, Rick green. And, uh, I said, I said, this, this is how we need to do it. I said, I said, today is going to be strictly marking fish and fishing for them. That's all we're going to do. We're not, we're not going to just fish randomly. We're going to mark fish and fish for them. So we were doing that all day and we catch, you know, anywhere from five, a five pounder up to like a 25, you know, good. I call them fun, fun sizers. They're good, fun fish to, to fight, you know, especially in that heavier current. You just don't know how big they are, really are. So, uh, and then we were going to pick up to move to another spot. And right before we were going to move, I marked a huge fish. And I'm like, man, that's a giant. And I, Rick came back, looked at him, he goes, that's probably the biggest fish I've ever seen on the graph before in my life. And I said, let's set up on him. I said, we'll go up, you know, 160 feet above him. We set a waypoint on him, went up 160 feet, set up on the ledge where we were pretty even with him. And, uh, man, uh, it was probably about 15 minutes <clears throat> and that fish passed all of our lines that we had casted to him. And I always put two lines out the side of the boat straight down and he hit the side rod so hard that it broke the level line on my reel and it actually bent, bent the rod holder on the side of the boat. <clears throat> and, uh, it was only 50 pounds, but man, I tell you what, that's probably, uh, the current probably had a lot they had a lot to do with it as well but uh that was probably the most memorable fish i think that would be on my last video on the big easy quest uh youtube channel is what i did I, we just did a quick mount my phone up real quick and we just uh tried to get at least some footage and uh that was probably a good memorable fish last year so besides yeah. losing besides losing a few good fish throughout the year but uh if I don't, if I can't see them, then it's hard to, 
you know, <laughs> I, I try to not dwell on the ones I've lost because it, <laughs> it doesn't happen too often. But when it does, it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. But, just anytime you catch a nice fish, I always yeah. think about this, how much has to go right, really, you know, oh, it, it all yeah. has to line up. Yep. So That's very true. Why do you think that fish swam by those other rigs? Do you think you were past it, like just miscalculated, or do you think he just or it swam through them? I I I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it because it, you so on my down rigs, on my casting rigs, we had we had it alternated some with floats, some without. Um, on my down rigs, I just think I'm not. Sh- I I keep wondering myself if it was the angle that the bait was presented, you know, cause usually when you cast out a long ways away, everything's angled, you know, from the ground, you know, the bottom of the river up to your, to the back of your boat. I think because these lines were straight down and it maybe they looked more presentable, like a natural, a natural bait in the water. And I mean, we were using all shad. It was shad on every every rod, and uh, we all, of course, I always alternate rods. Some get heads, some get body chunks, some get heads with uh, one side uh, flayed off, um, and it was just a it was just a simple head head chunk bait. You know, I usually go about an inch past the gill and just cut it straight down so that way the bait doesn't swirl in the water. But I, I, I really think it was the, the way the – and we had 16 ounces of, of sinkers attached to it, so it was straight down, and that, that fish hit like a ton of bricks. <laughs> uh, so, so your straight-down ones, is, are the sinkers then below it, and then the, the hook and leader is off of it, or – is it the same kind of rig as your other ones? Yep. Same. I use the same rig, whether I'm drifting or, or anchored or, or, or dragging or anything. All I do is a lot of times is I'll adjust the sinker. So the barrel swivel that slides on the line, I usually tie a, a 20 pound mono to that. And then I'll make a loop. And, uh, the sinkers I use for drifting is, uh, I just use a simple pencil weight. And then for any kind of anchor fishing, I use just regular old bank sinkers. So, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. So, and the reason why I do that is because when you're, so like if I, this spring, we're, we're getting to be about ice out. So I'll go in red rock, real shallow water. And with that kind of setup, and I'll actually put a little slack in my line. So those fish can take it. Cause usually in the springtime up here, water's real cold so those fish are really lethargic and they, their mouths are real tender so they can detect any kind of pressure <clears throat> so I'll leave it lo- I'll leave it loose so then that main line can pull through that that barrel swivel and they can do whatever they want and I actually think it helps with the hookup ratio as well huh. but but yep and then like I said all I'll do is I'll just that that uh sinker line depending on what i'm doing like if i'm bumping i use the same 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 deal so like when i'm when i'm bumping i think it really helps because your sinker is sliding on that main line so that'll actually help you feel the bottom because that's it's it's putting pressure on your main line and you can actually feel that going down like a lot of times i can feel if I'm on mud, sand, uh, rock bottom, if I'm hitting rocks or hitting any kind of wood, you can tell almost instantly if you hit a, like a piece of, you know, wood on the, on the bottom, cause it'll get like, a, you'll feel the solidness of it, but you can tell it's a little mushy <clears throat> and it's, it's, uh, it's been a pretty good, it's been a pretty good, I've been using it probably six or seven years probably. And I haven't looked back since. So I used to I used to use the sinker slides when they first came out, and I'd always get too uh, tangled. They, it all it's almost like they were too bulky, and I get, too, I get too many tangles with them. So, huh? Okay. Yep. 
Yeah, I always just ask people kind of some technical stuff because, so, yeah. you know, some of that little stuff, that, that's what separates a really good angler from the best anglers. Yep, that's true. You know, just kind of accumulating the knowledge. Mm-hmm. That is very true. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a, a part of this. And um, we'll put your, we'll encourage the listeners to, to check out your, your page and everything. And we'll, we'll put the contact information at, at the bottom of the podcast. So um, thank you very much. And if you ever want to come back on, I, I hope we can talk about some more memorable fish. That'll work. I appreciate you inviting me on. Thanks again to Philip for being on the podcast. So again, check out Big Easy Quest, Big Easy Clips. He has two different pages on Facebook. He also has a YouTube channel, Big Easy Quest, and you can get his the Big Easy Clips on Tackle Bandits as of now, and I think they're coming to quite a few other tackle shops, and if your tackle shop doesn't carry them you you can request them because uh philip's open for business i use the big easy clips it's very easy i I said during the interview i had tried my own that was a real real disaster there they fish get wadded up and and the reason easy clips are important or any kind of culling system is because your time it's a timed event Everything is so critical. A minute you're spending doing this, you're not spending doing that. So anything you can do to streamline what you're doing out there is a huge bonus. And I would say streamline what you are doing while you're weighing the fish. The fish, if everybody gets their fish out at the scales at these tournaments quicker, the weighing goes faster. These fish return to the water quicker they're healthier you're not holding up the line like i used to do all the time jacking around trying to find these fish getting wet trying to find them trying to find them pump more water out everywhere so you don't want to do that and with the big easy clips it's a quality product it's in a bag this is a real person who fishes our rivers if you have a problem with it you can message him. He's, he's not running away anywhere. And uh, he'll figure out if there's any problems, which I can't imagine there would be. He he stands behind the product. So thank you so much to for Philip Brown for being on the podcast. And again, we'll put his some of his information down below. But... On YouTube, that's an easy way to find him. Uh, if you sign into YouTube, which I hadn't in the past, but I've started to sign in, and you can follow different people, and and he's definitely one to follow. As far as things coming up, again, I said Corps of Engineers is letting more water out on March twenty fifth. There's a tournament at Miami for the Central Missouri Catfish Tournament. I think it's going to be an awesome tournament. A lot of people are are talking about this tournament. Water's being released. There's more water coinciding right when, when this tournament's taking place. It, it's just going to be dynamite. April 1st, Ethan Chapman over on Mark Twain Lake on the eastern side of the state. Now, that's a great lake. Again, I've, I've alluded to it in other podcasts, but Mark Twain has changed their regulations, and I don't know if you'll see it much this year, but in coming years, I think we're going to see a little bit better fishery over there. And it, It's a good fishery and a very fun lake if you like wood, if you like structure, that there's a lot there. April 5th in Smithville at 11 o'clock at the dam, their Army Corps of Engineers having a public meeting. And April 6th, St. Louis at 10 o'clock at 1034 South Brentwood Boulevard. They are having a Corps of Engineer meeting as well. I have never been to those, and I don't know. I don't know if your concern would be heard or not, but I, I think it would be a very interesting exercise just to see what's going on, the thought process. They're bound by navigation, but there's also other concerns, flood control. Uh, 
And just the more you learn about the river, I think that the better fishermen you'll be and kind of understand where all the players on the river, with the core being the biggest player by far, seeing where everybody comes from and, and the goals they're trying to reach and, and maybe it, the, the more we're part of the process of, of what's going on on the river, I think the, the better the fishery will be, the, the more um, of a stakeholder fishermen of all kinds on the river will be because as a stakeholder it it seems like like we we've been unrepresented or underrepresented and so that's that would be something good to go to april 15th missouri central catfish central missouri catfish tournament is having their tournament at taylor's landing down by boonville so that should be a good one and Missouri River Relief, I saw, they have their annual MR340, which is a paddle race from the call. I think Kansas City, never seen the put in, but Kansas City to St. Charles. So 340 river miles. And they're looking for volunteers. It's over August 1st through 4th. So they, they look for people to help at boat ramps if you live along the way or be part of the support staff there you know there's a lot of people on the river going at night um they could use experienced river people for sure and who's better at at night river than uh the cat fishermen so you might check out uh missouri river relief if you want to be a part of that Again, our email address is Missouri Catfish Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a message. We love hearing from everybody. It's going to be a great year. It's been a little cold. Don't get down. Get everything ready to roll here and tight lines, everybody. I was born.